Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We're broadcasting from Coralville, Iowa. For more information about Life Church, to watch a live stream, or to find a campus near you, go to lifechurchnow.org. Today, we are blessed. We have a, a missionary family with us, Josh Allen and Angela. Josh and Angela Allen, and then there are five kids. Is it five? five one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, five kids. I, say, I said the first service was like 18 kids, but uh, it looks like it's 18. <laughs> you, can, you can come, brother. <laughs> um, they, are, they are serving. We've been supporting them for the last five years, and they're serving in the country of the Netherlands, in Rotterdam, Netherlands. And I said this in the service earlier. I don't want to maybe say too much because you're going to talk about it. But, um, you know, there was a time in which Europe was like one of the most amazing continents that were sending out missionaries around the world to bring the gospel to the world. And now Europe has become in many ways a big mission field. And so we're so glad you're there. These guys are doing an amazing work. They're planning a church. They're working with students. And so you're going to share that with us, brother. Absolutely. Thank Thank you. you. Thanks for being with us, bro. Thank you guys for having us so much. We, you guys have been with us, faithful partners since the very beginning. It's awesome to hear about uh, what's happening and how you guys are involved in Haiti. And uh, like Pastor said, Europe is now known as the Dark Continent and you guys have been with us since the very beginning in, in reaching uh, the lost there. Let me introduce our family a little bit. Um, you can, can you guys see on the screen okay? Heads up. Good to go in Cedar Rapids. And so my family is here. We're not always together. So what, since we're together, I need to embarrass them properly. So if you guys would stand. Uh, so Angela and I, we've been married 22 years uh, this summer. And uh, we met, hold on now, we met at church camp. All right, so we're those people. Um, It's okay, thank you for laughing, I appreciate that. So we have uh, five kids, we're missing one. Where are we? Someone's gone. Aaliyah, oh, okay. All right, so I'll point to the screen. So there's uh, Ezra, he's the oldest, he just got his driver's license, and uh, Aaliyah, or Eva actually got her worker's permit, or her learner's permit. And uh, so uh, pray for us, Our, my insurance is skyrocketing at the moment. So he just got his license, he loves to play basketball. And uh, by the way, uh, four of our kids are completely fluent in Dutch. Uh, so that brings me to Eva, she is 15, and like I said, just got the learner's permit, so pray for us. She's actually a great driver. Um, she loves to ride horses, and uh, she's starting to play basketball this fall. She's also an incredible baker, and because of those skills, she has several offers in marriage, uh, so we're, <laughs> which is fantastic. Um, we, I'm thinking about starting a dowry, I don't know, we'll see. Aaliyah, um, so you have to look to the screen then. Aaliyah, she is 11, and uh, she's our arts and crafts girl. We have no idea where that DNA came from. That is not within Angela and I at all. Uh, but So she loves to sew her own clothes, and often she will uh, wear them to school. And she said it's embarrassing when I mention that, so I'm making sure to mention that she wears her own clothes to school. And then we have Asher. He is uh, the baby of the family. Oh, did I, m- I missed Abram. Aaliyah's gone and I skipped Abram. I apologize. I have so many kids, I forget them now. All right, so Abram, he is 13. He is the consummate friend. 
He loves anything Minecraft or Star Wars. If you want to start a four-hour conversation about the most like specific details of our Star Wars, just mention it, it into the air, and he'll be all about it and there for you uh, to explain in detail anything that you need to know about Star Wars. Okay, so now we're, did I, I said Aaliyah, right? Okay, so now we're at Asher, baby of the family. He's nine, um, and he plays his role as the baby really, really well. He is our entertainment. Uh, we stopped watching TV when he was born. So that is them. So, uh, and they are, our kids are uh, the fingers into community and uh, have built a lot of friendships. Many of them are, yeah, you guys can sit down. Many of them, all of our kids are in school where, um, they're quite possibly the only Christian that they know. And so, um, and so there's, not a, there's not a lot of interaction for them amongst Christians. And there's uh, where we're at, there's not a lot of interaction with Christians at all. And so you can pray for them for their safety and for provision, um, just as many of their friends, uh, they're the only one uh, in their group. And I should mention very quickly, my father-in-law, Angela's dad is here, Gene Versace, you guys can just raise your hand, and his wife, Twyla, they happen to be driving in on motorcycle and said, hey, we'll join you. So sometimes we get to have family uh, with us, which is, which is a lot of fun. So uh, just to start off really quick, let me tell you about kind of what happened uh, with us and, and just how we were called. Um, so like I said, we're in, and I, I caution when I say this, I was born and raised in Ames, Iowa. So my sermon today is not about, you know, God making, setting my table amongst the enemies. It's, it's not that, okay? So <laughs> pastor laughed hardest. Thank you. I appreciate that. So uh, yeah, I was born and raised in Ames, Iowa. All five of my kids were born in the same hospital that I was in my hometown church. Uh, is their life point is across the street from the hospital. And so when I was born, you know, they gave me the, the church membership certificate instead of the birth certificate. So um, uh, like I said, we met at church camp. We got married uh, uh, pretty young at age 19 and, uh, and had kids. And we were just very involved in church and uh, had businesses of our own. And, and we, were, um, we had volunteered in a number of different uh, capacities in just in growing, um, in growing community and, and discipling and mentoring. And life was very comfortable for us until God began to work on us in, uh, and it was about 2013 and just make our life very uncomfortable. And so we, uh, there was some major steps of obedience, one of which was I got a text message one day, just felt like the Holy Spirit overwhelmingly spoke to me and said, uh, you need to pursue this. And that text message was to move to Dallas, Texas. So to leave everything that we know, I only have extended family in Dallas, Texas. So to leave our businesses, to leave church, to leave our network of friends and family, my parents were in the same neighborhood, and go, and go to where there's absolutely nothing. And that was a major step of obedience. We just felt like it was, we were supposed to be obedient when we did that, although ministry was not on our radar at all. We just felt like we were supposed to do it. And we pursued that for about six weeks. And God just spoke to us and confirmed over and over and over in, in, in certain ways. Um, Angela started getting emails from God. Have you ever gotten an email from God before? You can ask her about that. He has, or she has his email if you ever want to get connected, okay? We sell those for 29 No, I'm kidding. Um, so we... So if you, seriously, if you want to talk to Angela, God started emailing her. So God confirmed just over and over again. And we said, okay, yes, we're going to go. Uh, we're going to go to Texas. Man, this is crazy. I guess we're going to Texas. 
So um, we, we began to get the, our house ready uh, for sale and, um, and, and we're getting prepared and we're, we find ourselves in a mission service just like the one you're sitting in now. And a missionary is speaking and he gets to the end of the service and he says, hey, I need people to come help me plant churches in the Netherlands. That's not like a real hard, like, kind of call. And God, God calls you how you need to be called. So there we sit in the pew, and we got zapped by God, kind of the old-fashioned way. And I said in my head as he made the calls, like, holy cow, that's what we need to go do. I need to go talk to that guy. And in that moment, um, I thought, in, I was thinking, wow, Angela's sitting next to me. I wonder what she's thinking. And she's stability and loves our house and all of our kids and business and all these things. And she leans over to me in that moment and says, holy cow, that's what we need to go do. You need to go talk to that guy. So the Holy Spirit was speaking to both of us, which is really great. And I mentioned also, I don't know where the holy cow came from. We're not Cubs fans necessarily, um, but... but we were, we were speaking the same language. So that began our, our missions process. Um, and and we, we, uh, the cool part is, is Angela is actually fourth generation pure Dutch. And uh, her, we know that some of her ancestors came and helped uh, in actually establish Pella and then moved up towards the Orange City area. So instrumental as we went to the Netherlands and just felt very compelled that that was where we were supposed to be. So we found ourselves in Rotterdam, Netherlands, where we helped plant an international church or an English-speaking church inside of a Dutch church. And then while we were there, God just blew the doors open for us to start uh, Chi Alpha. How many are familiar with Chi Alpha? Come on, you got some students? I see Alyssa, come on, whoop, whoop, okay. So we, okay, that was generous. Um, So we... Yeah, so, and little did we know, now in like, it was something like, we were discussing the timeline, but it was something like 2013. We were sitting where you guys were at, okay? And, and we said, you know what, there's a whole bunch of students, in, this is in Ames, there's a whole bunch of students sitting in this, in this section over here, and uh, Angela's really good at, at food and just large groups, and so we're like, well, maybe, hey, what if we just had them over for like, for Sunday afternoon lunch? And... Um, you know, and so we started doing that. We're like, hey, they'd like to come over. And next thing we know, you know, we, it, they're not just eating lunch or they're like sleeping on our couch, um, which was not, it was fine. I don't think anyone did laundry, although we did offer that. Um, so, they, so that became this kind of oasis. And, um, and just through, really just through food, it wasn't that big of a deal, actually. It just wasn't that big of a deal. But it was our heart to serve. It was our heart to serve. And little did we know through sowing that seed, through sowing that seed that God would blow the doors open for us to start Chi Alpha at Erasmus University in, in Rotterdam. And that we would have a heart for students, that we would have a heart to raise the next generation of leaders. And so my, as, kind of as I came into this summer, I was just praying God and I felt like God told me that this summer is a lot about sowing seeds. So I wanna thank you guys for being faithful partners in what's happening in in Rotterdam, what's happening in the Netherlands. And not just the Netherlands, because in the city that we're at is so incredibly diverse where we have people from literally from all over the world uh, and Rotterdam has a top 10 harbor in it in the world and, uh, and as, as a result is known as the gateway to Europe. And we do not take lightly as we're raising young adults and was, we're raising young people and families that are coming in and unbelievers coming to Christ we don't take lightly that we're in the gateway to Europe. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why here in a second. Let me read some scripture to you. 
ooh, pastor had this in the first. I'll read it off the screen. Have you ever had an iPad just seize up on it just out of the middle of nowhere? Okay. Genesis 22, then God said, take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and he loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. And he said to his servants, stay here, follow me, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there. And this is some of the becoming one of my favorite verses in all of scripture. We're going to go and we will worship and then we'll come back to you. We'll worship and then we'll come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. And as the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son. Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. Now there's a lot there and we could do an entire sermon series, maybe like 15 weeks just on that scripture. But what I want to challenge you with is the greatest form of worship to our God. The greatest form of worship is obedience. The greatest form of worship. Pastor mentioned, and I will kind of lay out some of you, some of the culture where we're at to kind of let you know, and I just call it, it's just intense. We're just plowing hard ground where we're at, okay? So Europe is now considered the dark continent. There's now more evangelicals in the Southern Hemisphere than in the Northern Hemisphere. Um, If you were to Google the Netherlands, it would say that uh, there's something like 7% uh, people that claim to be Christian. Um, I would argue that if we went to church on Sunday in in a city that is in greater Rotterdam, that's two and a half million people, if we were to count everyone that was just in church, there would be less than 25,000 people. And by mission standards, that is actually considered an unreached people group. We're in a place where that's incredibly uh, and highly secularized, progressive secularism, even beyond that of the U.S., in all pursuit of pleasure. Uh, I was talking to a young man in between services, and he said, um, you know, what do you do about all these different isms? And I'm like, yeah, every ism is practiced there. Everything is a religion. Everything is a religion. All pursuit of pleasure. People are highly skeptical. In fact, when we talk about God, um, most people will mention that they've already rejected God. So there's nothing like, oh, well, hey, have you ever heard of the name of Jesus? And they go, oh, 
oh, yeah, that's amazing. Okay, I'll give my life to Jesus. There's none of that. They're like, yeah, we tried that. Didn't work. To quote my neighbor, he said, uh, yeah, we used to be in church and then we had kids and we decided we want to raise our kids the right way, so we quit going to church. That's a quote from my neighbor. So we're in this, we're in this place, just people are just highly skeptical. And so as we start and, and we have students for Christ and, and uh, we have young adults that are in this environment, uh, we're also planting a church, as pastor said. And so we, and you think well, like, well, in this environment, like why would you ever plant a church? I was asked that once somewhere. Why would you plant a church in this environment? Because people aren't gonna come. You're exactly right. They will not darken the doors of a building. They just won't. So how do you reach the lost? How do you make Jesus' name known? How do you build kingdom culture? We do it through small steps of obedience. Often in our groups, when we come, we talk about thresholds and we talk about the, the progression of a secularist. So the lowest threshold for any unbeliever uh, to come in is gonna be through your home. We do a lot of table ministry. We do a lot of ministry around food. And so we're not inviting people necessarily to a service. We're inviting them into our home. Because as secularists, when you come to know them, they go kind of through this timeline of one is you have to know a Christian. We've actually had students approached on the campus that have said, hey, I heard you are a Christian. I've never met one before. What's that like? So we challenge them pretty hard. One is, because we're called a disciple, is is your life re worth reproducing, right? Are you a disciple? And number two is you may be the only person that carries the information to eternity. There's a lot of information we can give, right? We got social media, we can talk about uh, all the politics, we can talk about um, all the different little religions, all the things that we worship, but there's only one piece of information that, that, that changes someone's eternity, right? So often in our groups, we're coming together, whether we play basketball or whether we're uh, eating food together, very commonly uh, we'll have someone that will come, whether they're a believer or an unbeliever. There could be someone that's kind of a believer. A church is just very, um, just, just to be real, it's just very unhealthy. They're very hierarchical. And so most people that have even encountered any type of church are just very turned off. They're burned. And that's one of the reasons that the church is dead in Europe and why people have walked away. And so we'll have people that will come to us just from our groups and, um, and they'll come and they'll say, man, I, how are you guys all friends? I can't totally figure out how you guys are all connected. And of course we wanna be like, it's Jesus, you know. Um, and, but because we have people from all over the world, often we'll have, we'll do food or we'll have something going on in our house. We'll just have a group event, whatever it might be. And often we'll have uh, people come just is our continuous story. When I come back uh, a couple years from now, it will be the same way. Tears in the eyes. I have no idea. They'll say, I have no idea what this feeling is. I've never been around a group of people like this before that have treated each other like this. And I don't know what this feeling is, but I want more of this. What is this? What is this? And we're like, it's Jesus. So where, so where we're at is a lot of fun, but it starts with the relationship and leads to maybe to our group and hey, come to our group. Like, oh, you guys have a group? What do you mean? Oh, we talk about God. Okay, come on. And then, uh, so once they go from First, you have to know a Christian. Second, you have to trust a Christian. Third, there's an awakening to truth. Is it real? 
is it real? And so they'll say, hey, like, I want to come. I want to come to a small group or I want to come to your group that you're having. And like, yeah, we talk about God and, and faith and different things. Like, yeah, I want to come to that. You guys are cool. Okay. Because is it like, it seems like your group, I just want to, is it real? Is it real? Because I see when we interact, but I want to know if it's real. And now they're in a pursuit of truth. How many know that their truth is a, is a man? His name is Jesus. And they pursue truth. Let me tell you a little bit about uh, Julia, kind of just uh, um, in, in some bullet point prayer points. You can pray for us as we are directors of and lead Students for Christ, which is Chi Alpha at Erasmus University. And as we uh, have done, um, food has kind of turned into, and uh, in in meetings in our home has turned into church services. So we're actually launching and going public with uh, Gateway City Church in Rotterdam, Netherlands. Um, actually within about 45 days. So you can be praying as we, as we go public um, uh, that just God will have his way and that his name will be made known. And then lastly, and, and this is big picture, some things you can pray with us for. Since the very beginning, God has been sending us young people that are called to ministry. And without a way or a pathway to, to actually, uh, um, actually facilitate the gospel, really, so there's no way, there's, they, they can't come in. There's no place for them to go and get an associate's job and learn how to pastor. Um, if they wanted to be, do an internship for a year, I can't have them call Pastor Rich and say, hey, uh, here's 10 churches that you can call and raise money to be an intern. There's none of that. And there's also no education. There's no formal education to even get credentialed. And our heart is, number one, to raise them up as far as skill set goes, but also to send them out so that they have uh, credentialed paper um, and, tr and proper education, no matter where they go, it means something. Do you follow me there? Do you follow me with that? Because we're in Rotterdam, known as the gateway to Europe, we do not take lightly our role in raising the next generation of leaders. And in closing, let me tell you, let me tell you the story about Julia and just kind of brings all of it home. Julia is Polish. And so while we have all of this diversity in Rotterdam and people from all over the world, uh, they'll often come uh, for work, uh, or for love or for education. And Julia comes to work uh, from Poland in hoping that she can uh, get, save up enough money so that she can go to school. And she comes and she becomes a nanny, which is fairly common in the Netherlands. And uh, because there's just access to drugs everywhere, she, gets, she finds herself addicted and is trying to soothe that with alcohol and additional drugs. And then in the Netherlands, and many of you know, there's a lot of trafficking that happens there, the red light districts. If you're a nanny, you're often the side pleasure of the man of the house, just common, okay? And so uh, she finds herself in a very, very low place. And it just so happened that she had gotten a job with some friends of ours, some believers. And they said, hey, we have this young girl uh, from Poland. Maybe you can pull her into Students for Christ. Maybe you can do something for her. And we had met her at a birthday party. She didn't get invited to a service. She, we met her at a birthday party. And so Angela befriended her and we connected her with some of our girls and she's like, hey, you guys are pretty cool. I'm gonna stick with you guys. And she was just really faithful in all of our little, uh, little uh, gatherings that we had. And she's like, man, I, I, I've, I don't think I've ever experienced friendship before. Never really like this. I've never, no one's ever done anything nice for me before. Like someone gave me a gift and someone else complimented me and just this person was really encouraging. And, and uh, well, I have a lot of kids. I have a big car, so I'm always the guy who helps move furniture. Welcome to 
leadership in SFC Rotterdam. Um, and she's like, and Josh helped me move. And like, man, all, you guys are just, I've just never experienced love like this. And so we're uh, in per typical last fall, we're having a retreat for, uh, for Chi Alpha and uh, we're in a hostel. There's a bunch of restrictions. So we're in a hostel doing a staycation and we're doing a, a worship service. They said, well, you, you guys can do your music in the basement. So we're in this like 15 by 15 basement. We have 25 kids down there, crammed down there. There was no social distancing. You just keep that quiet. And, um, and we hadn't done worship together all uh, all semester. So we're like, we're getting down. We're going after. We're going after Jesus. We're going after the throne room. And we get done and, uh, and just very typical. Turn around. There's Julia. Ugly face crying. I don't know what this is. I don't know what this feeling is, but I want more of this. What is this? And we're like, it's Jesus. But she's skeptical, right? So it takes her a couple of more months before she gives her life to Christ. But she gave her life to Christ. And this is happening all over the Netherlands. Hey, I always thought this is what Christianity should look like when we do coffee table or when we're together. I always thought this is what it should look like. People loving and serving one another. So Julia, she's hungry. Angela and Shelby uh, take her in and they disciple her. And, uh, and she comes to us just a couple of uh, weeks before we left uh, to come for the summer. And she says, hey, I've been reading my Bible. And I realized I need to start tithing. We're like, yeah, come on. And then uh, she goes, and then I need to get baptized. And so we said, okay, yeah, we're, we're, we have our last encounter. We'll baptize you in the lake. And uh, she goes, no, there's water right there. Let's do it now. So we have a canal in our backyard. And Angela got the honor of baptizing Julia in our canal in our backyard. All of our neighbors think we're crazy now, by the way. <laughs> but, but we got to check the box for one of our bucket list items for life of baptize someone in the canal. So here, let me bring this home with this. Julia has a heart to share the gospel. She goes, there's no, there's no one doing this in my home country. And I want to take Jesus to them. I want to plant churches. I want to start students for Christ. There's no one kingdom building. There's no one sharing the gospel. There's no one sharing the love of God. Now we know there's works there. She's just never experienced it. And at the same time, she's like, I want to get education, but I'm not sure what to do. Maybe I should just do psychology. So we find ourselves in this place where we can start a school of ministry, we can educate, and we can send the indigenous worker back into Europe, back into Africa, back into South America. And there's no language barrier and there's no cultural barrier. That's our heart. That's what gets me up in the morning is to raise leaders, take them from complete unbeliever to I want to take Jesus to the nations where we're in a place that is known as the gateway to Europe. And you guys are a part of that. And we're thankful for that. Pastor, if you would come.